episode five of x-lapsed and uh today it's a very special episode because i have a very special tour guide along the way here to help me traverse and navigate my way back to x relevancy here uh this is uh my good pal jeremiah how you doing jeremiah i'm well how are you today chris oh hanging in there thank you for uh thank you for coming on here and thank you for uh giving me a hand <laughs> trying to get my bearings and uh and my my land legs back as it comes to uh the x-men here but uh you know before we get into the issue which will be uh, powers of x number three uh, i do want to ask jeremiah some questions about his time i know a little bit about his x-men history from other projects we work on but uh i want to talk a little bit more about more contemporary x-men books here so now were you reading the x-men books before house of x powers of x dawn of x uh, the whole new look that we've got here I had been reading the blue and gold series um, okay. and was liking those. Mm-hmm. I read the, the Jean Grey mini series where she came back. Oh, Resur- uh, Phoenix Resurrection or. Yep. And, okay. and then the, there was a, a, the red series. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I read that and then started to fall behind. I mean, it was a biweekly book. I yes. got the black one shots, but I, I didn't mm-hmm. read those. And then they relaunched Uncanny as the, that big mm-hmm. expensive book. Oh boy! And I bought two or three of that and wasn't reading it, so I stopped buying that because that I think that was six bucks or something. It was so. a pricey book, yeah. And and, and Blue and Gold, uh, that that's when I kind of walked away because and it was similar reasons. It was the uh, the it was biweekly and uh, I think uh, I didn't like the voice of of the of the characters there. Um, and I, I feel like I hit that tipping point where, where you, you know, your your two read pile gets to that one gets one book too high to where it's it's no longer something you can do. And it's just like, OK, they're just getting filed away. <laughs> and I'll maybe catch up sometime down the line. And I never went back. And I think I did that. I did. I think I did that. that, that. Those series is a disservice in not going back and trying them again, because, uh, you know, I am I. I'm, I I love the lore, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. I, I want to know what happened, and uh, I've never gone really that far in those uh, the color book series. Um, Uncanny, though, I, I was really excited when they announced that was coming back. But just like you, it was because I believe for the first two months it was weekly, and yeah, uh, and it was and it was like four, five, six bucks a pop, and it was just yeah, can't do that. Um, so. Now, you did step away, like you said here. Now, what inspired you to come back 
for because you read House of X, Powers of X, this series. You read this as it was coming out, right? I did. And okay. it, it's because it was an event book and mm-hmm. all my friends were going to read it. And um, it sounded fun. And I wanted to be part of the conversation. I figured, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we're all reading the same book as it comes out in the summer, um, it would be cool to talk about, you know, if we all read sure. one of the same books. Um, you know, and I would talk about it, the guys at Newberry Comics, when I would go to pick it up, because they were all reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was just fun to be in, in that conversation, because this was sort of a big deal last summer. Sure. Uh, so, <clears throat> yeah, that, so that's why I picked it up. And cool. I did like it. Good, good. Now, did you have any familiarity with the uh, with the you know the new creative force here, Jonathan Hickman? Did you have any sort of familiarity with him or his writing style? You know, I didn't. If mm-hmm. I had read comics by him or that he wrote, I don't. I'm I'm not aware of it. Okay. All I really <laughs> knew was what people told me about you know some of his other stuff where he would write these big stories mm-hmm. that with lots of detail that would all come together you know, and pay off at the end. Um, and I always heard good things, but yeah, yeah, no, I, not knowingly have I read anything before these. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's another thing that like, I wish I could find a few more hours of the day because, uh, all of my, like one of my main like bugbears about getting into this series was that I don't remember liking his fantastic four or his Avengers. And uh, and it was for those same reasons that people seem to like it, uh, because these they are these huge uh, high concept is the word that is the buzz phrase that I've been using for the past several episodes. It's these are these high concept deals and uh, I could just never really go all in with them. And I think it's another thing that I probably should at some point revisit if I could find the extra hours of the day or or three other podcasts to launch. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) I. Um, it's, uh, I'm after reading what little I have of Hoxpox here, I am more inspired to do it and, and to maybe think that my, my first impression might've been a little faulty. Um, yeah. now without spoiling anything, uh, did this event house of X powers of X, did it meet your expectations? Yes. A hundred percent. Um, I don't want to necessarily say what my expectations <laughs> were because I mean, not that it would be a spoiler, but it, I don't want to, they weren't all positive <laughs> expectations for one thing. Okay. Um, oh, but okay. it, it did meet my expectations. It was a fun read and I did enjoy talking about it to all my buddies about it. Um, you know, the characters I didn't know or the things I didn't understand and they did, they filled me in that kind of thing. Gotcha. So it was, it was just a good time. Okay. Now going in like not entirely cold, but a little bit cold. Was this like deal here where we're playing with like disparate timelines? We're doing like a, a reincarnation bent is being added to this. Was did you expect anything like that from from this when you started reading it? I didn't really know what the idea behind this launch was. Like <laughs> I don't know what the precipice was to say, oh, we're relaunching X-Men from all the colored books they had been doing mm-hmm. and the uncanny thing. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't really know what to make of the, what the plot was going to be. I only knew that Hickman had these 
big grandiose stories with multiple mm-hmm. timelines and so all that stuff kind of fits in with what sure. i thought it was going to be mm-hmm. but in terms of plot and story i mm-hmm. didn't really have, know what to think it was going to be yeah any in, in a recent episode i think the most episode before this one i did ask folks if if anyone knew what if they could point me to whether or not uh this launch was uh you know, uh, if there was any kind of lead up to it, um, basically, was there something that happened before this that gave a hint that we were going in this direction or was House of X one dropped on you like a ton of bricks and it's like, this is the new direction. Get on the ground and go with it, because uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know if there was any sort of uh, of hint that this is the direction they were going or if it was just a hold on for dear life and, and we'll get through this, you know, Uh I, I, I still like to know if anybody out there could tell me um, whether or not this was just a brand new start out of nowhere or if there was something that that hinted to the change here. Um, now, what were your initial thoughts? Say, you know, powers of X number one. So we're seeing uh, all these multiple eras and timelines. We're seeing strange alliances here. We're seeing hero and villain living together. Um, did you have any sort of like trepidation regarding, you know, the possibility that continuity, X-Men continuity and lore is being kind of messed around with? Well, I, I liked all the different Moira timelines mm-hmm. and them being possible X- X-Men timelines from the past or the future. Um, years ago, I put aside my feelings about continuity in modern comics <laughs> just so I could enjoy the comics I'm buying it at face value. I mean, yeah. continuity isn't a thing anymore. No. So I thought what Hickman was doing with the past, present and future was a nice way to fit them all into quote possible timelines. I mean, that's just no, kind of the way I looked at it to make it, it work in my brain. You know what I mean? It's true. No, I, I, that's something I wish I could do because it, it's one thing for me to say it. Like, I can agree with you that there's no such thing as continuity anymore, but in my heart, I don't want to believe it. <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's one of those things that's always just going to be – I mean, I, I, me and my wife watch Days of Our Lives. We've been watching it for like 20 years now, and it's like when they go against continuity there, I'm flipping out. And it's like it's like no no that that's that's Sammy's sister damn it you know I'd I'd get really <laughs> mad just because it's like it happened we were there we experienced yep. it we invested in it but uh no no it's your your point is well taken the continuity uh, who knows I mean um I feel like the the magic continuity wand it's a little easy to uh to wave it these days um, yeah because if you I feel like I feel like the fans were more protective of the history before, and I feel like now uh, we're not. And I think uh, if anybody does come up like like a me, for example, saying, "Hey, you know, this isn't the way it's supposed to go," it's just like, well, you know, get out of the Stone Age. You know, this is where we're going, and yeah. it's you know, it is what it is. Is 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 basically what it comes down to. Um, now, one thing about this series um, that will strike anybody right off the bat is that. Uh, we get a lot of info pages. Do you have any initial thoughts on these info page, these infographic pages here? I think these are the Tom Sutton designs. Yeah, I I like the way they look. In terms of graphic art, the the black and the white 
it's all neat looking. Um, mm-hmm. I did find them to be cool and helpful in several of the issues. You know, there's, there's the one where the first time we get the Moira timelines sure, labeled sure. and everything. But most of the time, I thought they were a bit too much. Too many pages in each particular comic overall. Yeah. So, it, and and by the end of the summer, you know, six issues later when they have less meaning, it, it, it mm-hmm. just felt like you're, you're taking a page away from sequential art at this point. That's, <clears throat> yeah, that's one of the things I'm having trouble with. And it's actually Tom Muller who designed it, not Tom Sutton. I was mistaken there. But, uh, yeah, it's one, one of those things that I get stuck on to, especially since this is an event series and as such it's priced a little bit higher than a regular monthly issue and that there's two a month and that there there's so many info pages um uh, i and i I agree with you i like the design is very striking it's very like modern it's very it it sticks with you it's something that really stands out as being something special and uh, i I will say this i mm -hmm. i didn't go through and decipher the alphabet on them i know someone who did but mm-hmm. I, I didn't do that myself. And I, I suppose if you're into doing that kind of thing, it would have been fun to go through each issue and do that. But mm-hmm. it, it, it they take up a lot of space. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and actually, in the uh, in the cover art for this show, there is some of that Krakoan uh, language on there that uh, people might want to decipher one of these days. It's uh, it's there. Um, <laughs> and, and it did. It, it, like one of the things I think I've been complaining about, not, not so much complaining about, but at least addressing every episode so far, is that there are just so damn many of them. Um, there are a lot of them. Uh, we're still getting, I think we're still getting like the proper amount of story pages. I think we're still getting like 18 to 20 pages of story. But I mean, there are days where we get like 15 of these info pages on top of that. It's just, it's fatigue. It's just, uh, yeah, you know. I over, I just thought there were too many overall, and it yeah. could, you could have had a cheaper comic without them. For sure, and for sure. When I when the series ended, I, I I'd certainly had enough. <laughs> and, and it's like, <laughs> I think we grew up in a time where, you know, it was like you show don't tell. You know, um, that's yeah. like the old John Byrne thing where he'd be where he would uh, he would tell you a story that's like three paragraphs long. And then he'd be like, how many panels does that take? And you're like, I don't know, like an issue. And he's like, no, that's one panel. And this is how you do it. And it's like, so you show don't tell. And, uh, I, you know, the, as much as I appreciated the uh, the Mora timelines and as much as I appreciate an issue, uh, a page we're going to get right at the open of this issue. I mean, at the open of that Mora issue, we got two pages of text, just just text, like yeah. prose storytelling. It's like, what? Why? Why? You couldn't do yeah. this in two panels? Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, now, from what I understand, you read this, but you chose not to continue into the Dawn of Xbox proper, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, why didn't you do that? Well. When it was announced that there would be five X books mm-hmm. at launch after these two series wrapped, mm-hmm. in my mind, like okay, five books. Well, in three months they're going to add two more, and then it's going to be two more <laughs> or a solo series, you know. And then we're because one of the I don't think one of the launch books was a Wolverine book. Nope, that so one came you out know, after. You knew that yeah. was going to be coming. Yep. Um, yep. And then it wouldn't be too long before there's a crossover yep. that is going to cross all 
the titles that are out at that time. Mm-hmm. And then because it's Hickman, the way I understand his storytelling is that it, you'd want to read, you read all, all those issues. Yep. You know, if, if I had only been buying Excalibur mm-hmm. and then you, you'd miss the other six, sure, I, you'd probably miss out on something. So I decided just nip it in the bud. I'm not going to buy a bunch. <laughs> and the other side of it is I, I, I buy a lot of DC comics. So okay. if if I'm getting, say, 30 bucks a month, right, which is probably at my mm-hmm. highest point I was, to add five more, that, yeah, that, that ends up being a lot. You know what I mean? That's a if big it buy. was one book, yeah. sure. If it was, you yeah. know, blue and gold again, two books. But mm-hmm. so... Do I regret yeah, it maybe a little? Yeah, maybe I should have would have liked to have seen where it went, but my wallet feels pretty good about the decision I made. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> uh, what uh, our our friend Walt uh, Walt Neeland, what he does, I guess they actually put out some sort of like an anthology for the Dawn of X, um, where it's like everything in one book. I don't know what oh. the price is, and I don't know how how frequently it comes out, but I think that's how he's been keeping up with this line, um, and which I think is a is a pretty smart idea on Marvel's end here, because like you said, I mean, when I first heard that there were going to be five books, I said, screw it, I'm just buying X-Men. And mm-hmm. uh, sure enough, what they do at the end of X-Men number one is they say, follow the story in these books, and they give you a, a, a reading order. And I'm like, well, son of a bitch, <laughs> I got <laughs> to buy everything. And yeah. uh, so I was back in the shop the next week to get Marauders and Excalibur and then Fallen Angels and uh, uh, and the next force of New Mutants. I mean, there was a lot of books. And now uh, now we got Wolverine. We got Cable. Uh, we got uh, Fallen Angels has been replaced with Hellions. Uh, X Factors back. Uh, there's a lot of books. Yeah. And. One of the reasons why I started this project is because there is a crossover coming up very, very soon. And that's that okay. sort of X thing that's going to be a, a big deal. So I wanted to actually sort of get relevant before that comes out so I can actually maybe follow along in real time. But uh, but yeah, your point is well taken. Um, <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> These lines quickly bloat. Um, yeah. What I was worried about um, when I when i uh, when i agreed with myself to uh end my anti-x-men temper tantrum and actually go into a store and buy something with an x on it again i was worried that i was going to fall in love with it and then six months later they're going to be like well relaunching again because that's kind of what marvel does so uh i'm happy that we've made it a year so far without any sort of rumor uh about a reboot but uh you know knock on wood or whatever's nearby but uh who knows? I'm hoping that I'm hoping that I, I I appreciate this direction as much as I think I'm going to from what little I've read of it. And I hope it sticks around for a little while because uh, we're moving a lot of furniture with this series. And mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, to, to sweep it all under the rug and just to usher in another new number one. That that would just suck. <laughs> that would really, really suck. But uh now that we're all caught up on on where you were coming into this and uh, your expectations and how you uh, how you felt reading it, let's get into this issue, which is of course Powers of X number three, had an October 2019 cover date. Story's called "This Is What You Do," 
written by Jonathan Hickman with art by R.B. Silva. uh, Colors, Marty Gracia. Letters, VCs, Clayton Cowles. Designs, Tom Muller. Edits, Biso White and Sabolski. It's a $5 book. Hit the shelves on August 21st, 2019. And we open this uh, this book up, and we're in X squared. So it's uh, X-Men of the year 100, and thankfully, this is where we're going to stick for the entire issue. I like this. I don't mind the jumping around they do in this book, but it, to have this be one story, one timeline was good. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Cause I, I, I got like jet lagged from the first issue of powers of X. It was just all over the place. This one, I'm happy that we're sticking to one so we can like flesh it out a bit. Uh, now we open at the temple of concordance or the church of ascendancy. So there's that word again. Uh, we heard, uh, we heard the, the librarian say something about ascending uh, last issue. Uh, now, it looks like the object of this church's worship is machines. And it also appears that uh, there's a baby about to be sort of kind of christened. And a uh, part machine priest summons up a little inky looking orb, which shoots a laser into the tot's face, which renders it all black and circuity. And I, I like the general theme of sentient machines controlling humans because humans are destruct too destructive on their own end. Um, <clears throat> so being controlled and destroyed is the next logical conclusion of their existence. You know, mm-hmm. the, <clears throat> I dig it when writers kind of explore that idea, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which seems to be what they're doing here. I think so. Yeah. It's, and it's very, very interesting uh, the way they're doing it here. And, because at first I wasn't quite sure what we were what we were seeing, um, and then you know going through it a, a second time to uh, put together a synopsis, it was like, oh okay, this uh, this really makes a lot more sense uh, if you actually pay attention. <laughs> so I, I did. Um, just then the X Men breach the city walls by you know busting through the walls. Uh, we see Magneto, Zorn, Rasputin, and Cardinal, and uh, we can see that Zorn is, uh, he's showing a little bit of personality here, and he's feeling especially nihilistic. Yeah, these are nice designs and art. Yeah. I know, I have no idea who any of them are except Magneto, but they <laughs> look pretty cool. They do, they do. They're, uh, they look like superheroes, which uh, is something that has been missing from superhero comics for a little while, so uh, it is nice to see, you know, costumed characters um from here we get our requisite two page credits which feels like a waste of pages then we get two more pages of info dump which actually are helpful this time here um because it's going to give us a better grasp of uh just who these x-men of the year 100 really are now we have apocalypse of course and uh we also have his horsemen which uh, i didn't put together initially i just thought they were the x-men but uh it looks like the X-Men have a have tiers. They have a tier system here. So we have the uh, the, the Horsemen of War, which is Wolverine, James Howlett, the real one, you know, not a not a you know chimera, um, you know, amalgamation. This is actually him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, Death, who is Zorn, Quan Jin Zorn, the real one, or one of the real ones, I guess. Uh, Pestilence is North, and this is the one that looks like Magneto. And we find out this is a chimera comprised of bits of Lorna Dane and Emma Frost. And I guess I guess we're playing with the fact that Lorna Dane is Magneto's daughter at this point, because that changes all the time. Uh, sometimes <laughs> she is, sometimes she isn't. Uh, finally, we have Famine, who is Krakoa, that swamp thing looking guy. 
And uh, this is this confirms our suspicions that Krakoa is symbiotically merged with Doug Ramsey, Cypher. Then we get the rest of the X-Men. We have Rasputin 4, who we've already discussed. Uh, again, she's a chimera consisting of bits of a Rasputin, maybe Colossus, maybe Magic, maybe both. Uh, Quentin Quire, Eunice the Untouchable, Kitty Pride, and X-23. Uh, we have Cardinal, who's a chimera consisting of bits of Nightcrawler, Phoenix, and Ajax. Silabel, uh, who's dead, is a uh, black-brained hound, which we, we saw her pass in that uh, canister. And Percival, who we also saw die in that same mission, is a pure-blood mutant named Emmanuel Cortez, which makes me wonder if he's any relation to Fabian Cortez. And, uh, Lord, I hope not. I'm not a fan of Fabian Cortez. Uh, now, all of they, all of these stem from a mother called Acaba. Uh, Acab- <laughs> Easy for me to say. Acaba. Is that about right? Yeah. I don't know if it's Acaba. Um, but we're going to talk more about her later on. And and this is one of those times the infographic really pays off. I mean, yeah. you get a lot of information here that's just it it does help. For sure. Yeah, cuz I mean, what of this is one of the times where I don't see a I don't see another option uh, working as smoothly because we could go the old Claremont way and just have like Cardinal stand there and be like, "I'm Cardinal and I'm consisted of this." And it's too bad Percival, whose real name is this, isn't here. And, you know, it's it's better to actually get the info dump here rather than, you know, stilted expositional dialogue. Um, yeah. Now, we join Nimrod and Karima What's-Her-Face at the tower, and uh, the latter alerts the former that the Church of Ascendancy is on fire. Now, Nimrod is pretty aloof to all of this. He's really dismissive of the concept that anything can really get to him. Uh, he wonders aloud why the mutants would ever attack a church full of humans because... Up to this point, their entire gimmick was trying to free the humans to join with them to overthrow Nimrod himself. Uh, he doesn't realize is that this is something of a suicide mission, but uh, we will get to that as we go. Now, Karima doesn't cotton so well to her boss's aloofness and suggests that perhaps they look into this before it becomes, you know, a big enough problem that they can't handle it. And Nimrod's all, look, go ahead if you want, but uh, doesn't seem all that interested in, in making the trip himself. And I am really, really, really enjoying this jerk-ass Nimrod. I I liked him, too. I, I remember him being very powerful, very dangerous, mm. but this voice he, here, this... It's almost sarcastic. Oh yeah, that it it really works. Um, his dialogue is good. I like Demir. Oh, really cool. And and he, and he he reminds me of Easter. He reminds me of a of a of a of a nice pink peep or something. It's a, <laughs> yeah, which is one of my weaknesses. That's a, a little bit of Christianite. Um, now back at the church, Cardinal stabs a priest and reveals that while he while he is a pacifist. He ate something called a terminal apocalypse seed in order to overcome his true nature and, uh, you know, join the fight in a violent way. Then Omega Sentinel and a whole slew of regular old Sentinels descend upon the scene. Now, Soren gleefully welcomes them because uh, this might mean that uh, that it just might be time for him to get his ticket punch. He's he's looking for things to end. He wants to die. And one of the things about the series up till now is there's not a lot of action. That's right. I mean, there's lots of events and cool things happen or are said, but there's no battles. And yeah. in my mind, that's good and bad. I've said mm-hmm. for a long time, not every comic needs to have characters beating the crap out of each other all the time. Sure. This series could have maybe a little bit more of it, though. 
Mm-hmm. They seem to cut away from the action to see what else is going on and then cut back to it when it's done. Sure. But so, I mean, it, there's a balance, but um, <clears throat> you, you sort of miss just a little bit of punch them up. Sure. <laughs> no, and I, I think because uh, I, I think the actions are really good cool down from the uh, just from because this is a very dense and heavy story and sometimes it's nice just to just to breeze through a few pages of action just uh some punchy and some uh and, and it, it lets you actually learn a little bit more about the characters in a, in a not so stilted sort of way um mm-hmm. I, I don't know what a black apocalypse it is maybe we'll learn later maybe i'll learn later but uh <laughs> i'm you know I'm, I'm interested you know it's and that's um now, we shift scenes to what I'm going to assume is like a facet of the Nimrod archives. And at first blush here, it kind of reminds me of like those futuristic places you might happen across while you're playing Assassin's Creed. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, how many of the listeners have played Assassin's Creed, but you're playing like in, you know, ancient times. And like you'll go into a pyramid and there'll be like a scene just like this in there with like circuitry and, 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 and you know, metal monoliths and, and monitors and, and holograms. It just feels a lot like that here. Um, now here we join Apocalypse, Wolverine, and Swamp Thing uh, as they're attempting to peruse the data to finally learn the origins of Nimrod. So basically, they want to find out when he first went online and stuff like that. Now this is what finally springs old Nimrod into action. He's uh, he's starting to realize that the attack on the church might have just been a big old distraction. And Apocalypse and his X-Men might actually have a whole nother agenda in mind. Yeah, this was cool because the heroes making the all-powerful, all-knowing supercomputer care about what they're doing. It, yeah. It, it, it's, it's neat. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it's a total – you could just see that, uh, that Nimrod might have been riding a little too high and he was just a little too confident. And he, he thought he had the mutants figured out. And even when they, you know, even when they threw a curveball in attacking the humans that they were saving, uh, you know, not too long ago, he didn't even think that there might be another shoe to drop. So it's, uh, I, I like that. He he really let his, he, he let his, you know, ego get the best of him here. Yeah. Um, now, Krakoa does his deal and he figures out what they need to know. He stores this information on a crystal, but it's time for them to get on out of here. Unfortunately, Nimrod has other plans. Nimrod bursts on the scene and blasts Wolverine in a scene a little bit reminiscent to, but a lot less fatal than Days of Future Past. It's, uh, you know, that that iconic Sentinel scene where Wolverine is rendered into, you know, bones and and smoke, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, back at the church, Omega Sentinel informs the X-Men that their allies have been found and they're currently being dealt with. Now, as she approaches, Rasputin threatens to remove Zorn's helmet. Which, since he's got like an entire sun or whatever in there, could likely make a big old destructive mess of the area. Now Zorn, who's looking a lot like Hellspont from Wildcats, is laying there, <laughs> pretty much begging for death. He's like, please, just do this. Do this, please. Uh, Karima ain't shook, and she continues her approach. Rasputin pops off Zorn's helmet, and everything goes boom. Yeah, this pa- this page here, it, it, to me, it's straight out of Akira. It is. It totally is. It looks just like that, like that big bubble blast uh, in yep. Neo Tokyo. Now, uh, 
from here we jump back to the archives here and uh nimrod's been knocked to the ground i don't know if that might be due to you know zorn's black hole blast maybe it shook him a bit and he fell down but uh during the distraction apocalypse hands wolverine the data crystal and tells him to get the hell out of here he apocalypse will remain to deal with nimrod who at this point has split into several nimrods now wolverine beats a hasty retreat through a krakoan portal which Looks really, really gross because it's a, you know, that Krakoa Swamp Thing Cypher hybrid actually opens himself up into the portal. So it's uh, eh, kind of gross. <laughs> that Wolverine like walks <laughs> through an opening in his body. But yeah. uh, now while Wolverine, um, I'm sorry, while Apocalypse attempts to hold his own against the rods, Wolverine has been sent back to Asteroid K, I'm assuming, where he finds himself stood before Mother Akaba in stasis. And we get a good look at her, and we find out that this is actually Mora. Now, he wakes her and provides her with the data crystal by forcibly inserting it into her chest. Um, So now she's got the knowledge she needs to stop Nimrod, or at least try to stop Nimrod, before he he comes online. Now, if only there were a way she might be able to use that in the past, huh? (laughs) Yep. Well, Well, it's a good thing she has that whole reincarnation with memories power, and so... Wolverine apologizes before gutting her. And uh, this issue, or this the, the story portion of this issue, ends with the end of Mora the Ninth. And uh, from here, we get a retelling of The Many Lives of Mora X. And uh, it's the same six pages of infographic, but uh, we, have a, we have a little bit more, right? Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, um, I, and I'm and I, breaking this up here, not to harp. Uh, we have this six pages here. There are two pages that are simply one quote. There's like, I think there's a quote from Apocalypse that's like eight words long and it gets a whole page. And so this $5 book had like 12 or 13 non-comic pages in it. Uh, I'm going to try to stop noticing that, but I can't guarantee it. (laughs) So these six pages are a retelling of the many lives of Mora X. However, Life 9 is fully fleshed out to the end. It's worth noting that Life 6 is still missing. Now, if you recall, the last time we discussed this, Life 9 ended at year 42 when the Apocalypse War started. And today, we're going to take it all the way to the current year, the year, uh, you know, year 123. So uh, let's do just that. Now, Life 9 in full. Year 1, more is born. Year 13, mutant power manifests. Year 42, the Apocalypse War begins. So now, the new stuff. Year 45, Avengers World is defeated, and that sounds horribly dull. Uh, <laughs> year 50, Nimrod comes online. Year 56, Nimrod dis- the Nimrods destroy Kier and Tian. Akaba is d- abandoned, and Mora retreats to a Krakoan stronghold, and hopefully that'll make more sense as we go along. Uh, I'm assuming Tyr and uh, Kier and Tyan are, are cities or towns or refugees. I don't ref, refuges. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, now, year 60, we see the first generation of the sinister mutants, so the Chimeras. In year 73, the third gen sinisters are online. Year 88, black brain hounds are created, uh, so the Silabels and the like. Year 94, the fourth gen sinisters happen. Year 98, Krakoa falls, and it's the death of the first horseman. I don't know if we're going to hear more about that. Um, I I mean, I don't know how much it'll matter in the first place. Uh, Year 100, Mars collapses, and Asteroid K is established. 
year 101, most of the mutants leave to go to Shi'ar space. And we saw that during the uh, little population guide a few issues back where we found out that there were only eight left in the solar system and the rest are, uh, you know, flitting around uh, the Shi'ar. Mm-hmm. Uh, year 104, more an apocalypse planned to eliminate Nimrod. Year 107, Mora is placed in stasis. Year 113, the Salkan Kennel is destroyed, and so the Hound program ends. And I think we saw a little bit of that uh, a couple issues ago. Finally, year 123, Mora is gutted by Wolverine after procuring the Nimrod origin data. And that is Powers of X, number three. We're almost halfway through these two series that are one. And I got to say, this being, you know, all things being equal here and this being a single solitary timeline that we're exploring here, this might have been the most satisfying single issue of the run so far for me. Uh, I feel like we actually get a complete story, uh, despite like nearly half of it being info pages. So I'm definitely eating crow here. I, I, I When I first got here, I dismissed these future teams, the, the X-Men of the year 100. I, I was like, I do not care. I don't want to see these people again. Go back to go back to Krakoa. Go back to the people I know and care about. But I've really come around to them, and I really enjoyed I enjoyed seeing their final mission. I thought this was a really powerful issue. I, I agree. I think at this point I still liked the issue where we see all the Moira timelines. That's a fun one. That is a fun one. Oh, as much, because I don't necessarily know these characters as well, hmm. but um, this issue was really good for those reasons. It's one story. Um, you, you get a little bit of the characterization for these people. Um, so, yeah, this was an excellent issue. And unfortunately, they all die at the end of it. But I guess uh, <laughs> better late than never <laughs> that I come around to them. Um, I do kind of maintain that this story, as it's being told serially, I think it came out like every two weeks or so. I feel like you get less out of it. If you do, if you if we were reading it as we go along, and maybe the way I'm doing it now uh, feels kind of like a disservice because it's for me it, it was very difficult to actually care about or invest in like these futures because we were getting like these sparse bits and pieces um, uh, in the first couple of chapters. I mean, the librarian we saw them for like two or three pages in that one issue. It's like how how am I going to care about this? Um, but it was only here with their deaths that I, I feel like we got any sort of characterization or motivation for them. We knew what they were there for. We knew their mission. We knew they were going into it, not expecting to come out of it because the best case scenario was that their future, their, their timeline would be done, you know, mm-hmm. um, up until now they were just disposable, which I, I suppose might've been the point all along. Um, I think if I just had, you know, the big old omnibus hardcover trade, and I was just reading it all in one go. I probably would have received these characters better right off the bat uh, because, you know, if you get two pages of a librarian, you know, uh, you know, a third of the way into a book, you know, they're coming back. You know, their story is going to pay off by the time you're done reading the one big thing. But in reading it issue by issue and doing it the way I'm doing it, where I'm, I'm analyzing and overanalyzing and looking for symbolism and trying to sound a lot smarter than I actually am. I feel like I feel like maybe the seams, for lack of a better term, the seams might show a little bit. Yeah, and I agree to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Overall, there's not a lot of character building because Hickman's cramming so much 
into these 12 sure. comics. I mean, it's so much he has to put some of it in infographics, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just how much we're dealing with here. But I, I liked reading it serially um, <laughs> because it came out on time, okay? <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> you could buy them, read them, evaluate them, and then you'd be ready to move on to the next chapter the following week or whatever it was. Sure. If we had to wait a month or more between two chapters of a book where you're only getting three pages of one character, mm. you know, it may have been a, a completely different story in terms of enjoyment. Sure. Um, but it did come out on time and you were able to digest it and then almost get the next one, you know, pretty quickly and, so for the most part, I think it worked okay. okay. I, I could see that. And, and I think a strength of it, I, I, I'm i pretty sure there were no other – I mean there were no other X-Men books coming out at the time. So this was kind of yep. it, right? Yep. So uh, you know, a lot of times with events, um, you get, you'll get the event book, but you'll also get the tie-ins. And uh, you know, I, I, was, I was actually doing some organization or attempting to do some organization today in uh, one of the rooms here. And uh, – I came across uh, my X, uh, my AVX, you know, box where it's all the Avengers vs X Men stuff, and I remember just what a chore that was, and because like you had the series, but then you also had every Avengers book and every X Men book that had chapters of it throughout the entire like summer. It was like I think it was like an eight month long event, and uh, and it ran late because it was uh, it was Bendis and he was running late on a lot of his uh, event books, but. Oh man, uh, I think this would be like a vacation because it's just one book every couple yeah. of weeks. So maybe I'm just not seeing the forest for the trees here. But uh, I, I thought this was very clever use of Moore's re- reincarnation power. Um, I, I like. Uh, I mean, this is. I'm eating more crow here. I, I have as just being like a like a big ideas guy, but. Uh, Damned if he didn't lay the foundation for this. I mean, this is nuts and bolts, a pitch-perfect writing here. Uh, he laid this foundation where we know what Mora is capable of. And, you know, when Wolverine gave her the information, it was just like, oh, I know what's coming next. Because it was it was just so intricately, you know, peppered through the story. It's like, he's going to have to kill her. And he did. Yeah. Um, I, just wonderful stuff. Um, Hickman is is a hell of a talent. And I'm not saying that for a retweet. Um, though, and, and I might be misremembering. This scene feels a little similar to something that happened during the Age of Ultron, which I believe also resulted in Wolverine gutting somebody. Maybe okay. even himself. Like a different version of himself. <laughs> but I'm probably just conflating the scenes. Um, I feel like this, uh, this tied a very tidy bow on X squared, or at least as tidy a bow as they could. And and I have not read ahead, so I don't know if this timeline gets revisited. So, I mean, if this was where we left it, I'd be okay with it. If we come back and do more, I'll be fine with that too. Um, uh, The art has been very, very strong on both books. Uh, I still prefer Pepe Larraz a little bit more than Silva, but Silva's no slouch by any, you know, stretch. He's he's awesome. So uh, very, very beautiful art. Indeed. I, I like the art in both books quite a bit. And, the, you know, for me, it, when I'm reading a comic, that goes a long way to my enjoyment. Mm, sure. Uh, <clears throat> you know, you've got good story here, but you've got really nice art. Um, and, and that helps a lot for me. 
Absolutely. It feels like you're getting like a like a top quality package here. It's uh there are some times where it feels like, you know, the big two in comics just like kind of crap out stories and crap out events and everything's a cash grab. This one, you know, this one feels like a, a very well put together product. And uh yeah, it's I'm mesmer mesmerized by it. I couldn't imagine what um what Hickman's uh like his desk looked like when he was writing this <laughs> because I'm sure that would have been a sight and a half. It's like yeah. all of this stuff, he's making it all fit and uh and he's making even like a a jaded guy from, you know, uh, a refugee from 90s comics uh eat some crow here and really become invested in characters that we only saw for a very short time. So Good stuff here. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Just that I, I liked both series. Mm-hmm. It was a fun event, and I'm glad I I'm glad I read it to be part of the conversation because you know because everybody was talking about it and I could sure. follow along. Um, I didn't love everything, mm-hmm. but I don't regret having shelled out and bought each comic individually. Um, sure. Kind of wish I had read the main book afterwards. Mm-hmm. But my unread pile of recent comics is, is so big that, you know, it's I, I can't regret it for too long. Sure. And uh, I mean, I think they'll some of these earlier books are probably on Marvel Unlimited by now. Um, I'm, I'm guessing I don't know much about Marvel Unlimited. I don't do the digital thing, but uh, maybe when I get there, you might want to maybe you'll come back on and we'll talk about uh, we'll both read one for the first time together. And there you we'll go. See how it goes. <laughs> now before we split out of here i did get a couple of questions that i wanted to answer um because I, I i don't get much engagement but i so i want to uh i want to make sure i answer questions i do get someone on the blog asked me uh why cyclops is my favorite character because he's such a horrible person <laughs> i mentioned <laughs> that cyclops is my favorite and he always has been um and i don't know if i've told this before but uh growing up i didn't know i didn't know the x-men you know, when I was a young kid, but, uh, I had a friend in my fourth grade class who was a huge X-Men fan. And uh, our teacher was like a leftover hippie who like, we had like talking circles on every Friday, like where we would talk about how our week went and what we want to, it was very, very hippy dippy. Um, and among the things she would do is she would let, she would let the students choose what they wanted to be called. So like you could pick your own name basically. And everyone had to abide by the name you picked. So you, if you wanted to be like, you know, Captain Thunder, you were Captain Thunder the whole week. And uh, my buddy, he said he wanted to be called Logan. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And uh, and he, and so he tells me, and he's he was telling what it was all about. He wanted to he wanted to be named after Wolverine. And, uh, and then he started naming everyone else in the class. And since I was the only one in the class who wore glasses, he called me Cyclops. And I thought he was making fun of me because I, I was the only one with glasses. And I'm like, dude, what, what what's going on? And he's like, no, no, it's this guy. And he showed me an X-Men comic. And it was just like, OK, well, that's my guy then. And then uh, reading the when I started reading it, I just immediately was drawn to Cyclops. I, I like when I started with Ninja Turtles, I was like drawn to leonardo i like the leaders i guess i don't know but uh but that that's where my cyclops uh fascination started and uh that's why it hit especially hard with how poorly he was treated over the past decade and a half or so um another question i got was why do i say mora 
not Moira. Um, and uh, there's a there's a reason for that too. Uh, I went to uh, I had a religious instruction. I was you know, I was raised Catholic and uh, you know went through catechism and uh, uh, did communion and confirmation. And uh, part of confirmation is you take a name. You, it's another thing where you take a name. Uh, you take a confirmation name, and it's usually a, it's usually pick a name of like a saint or of a family member. And uh, mine, I picked Albert because I have an uncle named Albert. And uh, a girl in my class picked Mora. And uh, uh, when we all saw it, we're like, we we said, well, who's Moira? And she got so mad. And she made her mom come over and like yell at us for saying Moira because it was like her grandmother who who they called Mora. So anytime I see that name, I can't say Moira because I'm afraid I'm afraid some lady's going to come over and yell at me. So she'll always be Mora McTaggart or Mora Kinross to me. So those are the two questions I got. And I wanted to make sure that I touched uh, touch base on them before I got out of here. But uh, I think. That's as uh, far as we'll go today, and uh, we will uh, pick up again with, I believe, two issues in a row of House of X uh, in the next couple of episodes, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to like to say? No, no, I'm good. Thank you for having me on. I'm enjoying the show. I can't wait to hear what you, thank you. you think of the, the next few issues, and yeah, thanks again. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. This was a lot of fun, and uh, and we'll have you back when we get into the Dawn of X proper here, so we can uh, we can see some thoughts on on the post Hoxpox stuff here. So um, cool. now, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, you can do so at Ace Comics on Twitter or Weird Comics History at Gmail dot com. And um, I think that's all I got. So uh, till next time, I will talk to you again real soon. See ya.